internet. Mike here, Andy here. We're so glad that you are here, wherever here is. It, it's so great because um, we get emails from all over the country, and now we're starting to get emails from all over the world. So, so uh, Carolyn emailed me and said that we have uh, folks listening in um, uh, an aircraft carrier um in the oh, that's uh, cool. in the golf and then we've got um a destroyer i think or a cruiser uh in the sea of japan we have listeners there we have my friend josh who's a police officer who at 7:48 this morning that we're recording this on monday and we'll release it on monday texted me and said hey where's vox yeah. where is it where's morning fix we've spoiled we've spoiled the, the folks but andy moved last week i'm moving this week and so it's been a bit crazy trying yeah. to find some time. And um, in, in the process of, of moving, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, Andy and I were just having a conversation before we, uh, before we, we went live. And, um, and we realized there are two kinds of people who move. Okay. There, there are those who do it. Um, they're handy. They build stuff. They fix stuff. They they have straps for their cars, <laughs> and and so they're they're like the 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 worker bees, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we realize there are the opportunists mm-hmm. who are like myself who know worker bees, mm-hmm. and, and and so Andy just got roped into. He thought he was gonna record a podcast today. He's helping me move, <laughs> and he's building some bookshelves, and so it's very exciting. That is the definition of opportunism, right there. Right, and Vox itself, I think. The way. <laughs> yes, yes, we just need we just need help, and so so, hello wherever you are. Hello to my brother. Uh, in Sacramento, it, it's so funny. I mean, it really is uh, amazing. And we always pray before we record uh, and thank God for the great privilege. And we, we get to hear from any of you who are not religious, who are um, pre-church, post-church, uh, in-between church. And uh, and so we're very grateful uh, for the opportunity to do this. Now, what I want to do today, Andy, is I want to talk about disappointment. Yeah. Because... Um, uh, it seems universal. It, it seems like there is this this gap that exists in human life between how we think life should be and how it turns out, right? And one of the examples of that that we talked about a couple uh, podcasts ago is the idea of a soulmate. You know, yeah. that you go in to marriage thinking it's going to be one way, and then after five, ten minutes <laughs> or months <laughs> or years um you realize oh this isn't going to be everything i thought it was going to be you know parenting I, oh this a new job oh a new paycheck uh you know so there so there that we have these moments as human beings that are absolutely transcendent you know you're at a concert of your favorite band and you look around and you see you know, 15,000 people all emotionally engaged. You're, you're uh, at the rim of the Grand Canyon and you're, you know, you're taken in by nature. You're, you're hiking in Yellowstone. You're uh, at the beach um, or, or some sort of relational moment. You connect so deeply with somebody else. I mean, we have these moments where it, 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 we, we feel full. We feel fully alive. And, and, and the problem with human life is that they're just moments, right? They're just... They, they, they come, they happen, and then they're gone. And, and, and yet they echo with the reminder that it's supposed to be better, right? Our marriage is supposed to be better. My, my, um, my internal like uh, attitude toward life is supposed to be better. I'm supposed to be more grateful. I mean, you just there's this gap that exists between life as it is and life as we think it should be. And it can happen if you're married or you're single or young or you're old. Uh, I think older people are more in touch with it because we've seen, and you're, I'm including you in this, Andy, okay. uh, as a 30-something. We've seen, we, we've lived enough to see all of those dreams um, of, you know, our teenage years or early 20s just kind of go, oh, it's, even if you get you what you want, it's not everything that you thought it would be. Yeah. And so uh, I want to talk just theologically about disappointment. Um, because one of the, one of the things I wrote, uh, in a book called Astonished is this is the God who disappoints everybody. And, um, and so disappointment 
is part of the fuel of the Christian life. It's not, see, we sell Jesus like we sell um, uh, like consumer products, right? So so I, one of the stories I tell in Astonished is um, my wife and I got suckered in when we were first married uh, to something called the Ab King. The Ab King, we saw it on infomercial, and I, I'm a huge fan of infomercials. I love, they're just so genius, how you can begin an infomercial thinking this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And at the end, you're going, you know, I think I could really use I that. Need that. Right. I need that. Right. And I only have eight more minutes, you know? Right. And and so we got we got we got suckered into something called the Ab King, which its promise was a gentle electric current would would uh, you would put this belt on and it would constrict your abdominal muscles so that you would get the benefit of a sit up without having to do one. Now, if you know what I look like, <coughs> you can see the appeal. <laughs> and and it's success and oh yes yes it's clearly the ab king disappointed but um it, it was funny because you know my wife and i are going hey this is great this is the american dream right i get the results of work without having to work perfect perfect so we get suckered into the ab king it comes we unwrap it i put it on and and instead of a gentle electric current what what it felt like there was a hot, white hot fork that was being pushed by a very strong person into your stomach. <laughs> and and instead of it, you would just kind of be walking around like this. And it was, and, and it was, it was awful. It was horrific. And so the Ab King died. Um, but I, but I realized as I've, I've made an art of infomercials that very often sermons are infomercials for Jesus. Yeah. Right? Oh, so okay. we sell Jesus, you know, at the beginning, you're not quite sure, but at the end, after so many testimonies and so much promising, I mean, here's Jesus. And 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 we and we kind of have this this thing where, you know, Jesus is going to make you he, there's this hole in your heart and Jesus is going to fill that hole and you'll never be lonely again and you'll never, you know, in some of the most extreme forms, it's you'll be rich and you'll be healthy and you'll be happy. You know, God will heal you of all your diseases and, and he'll restore relationships and make your marriage better and you'll be a better parent, a better business person. And, you know, the list of benefits goes on and on and on. And um, and, and so so it always struck me that sermons feel a bit like um, infomercials and, and that and, and I felt that I felt like I'm a pitch man, you know, for kind of a, a salesperson for for Jesus. You know, I say sham, you say wow, right? Um, it, like that sort Set of. Set it and forget it. Yes, yeah. See, so um, when we when we when we present Jesus this way, um, we 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 do a lot of damage it, because first Jesus never talked about himself this way ever. He never bought, bribed anybody. He never begged anybody. In fact, at his moments of greatest popularity, he'd offer hard teaching. He'd go to a solitary place. He would uh, talk about the cost of following him. I mean, he was he was unbelievably free from focus groups and popular acceptance, you know. But his followers are not, and so we feel this pressure uh, very often to present Jesus like you would the Ab King. And and the problem is. Um, Jesus refuses to live up to the promises we make in his name. And, and so so what we do when we talk about Jesus like we talk about the Ab King is we actually set people up to think when disappointment comes, to think there's something wrong with God or there's something wrong with them. There's no other option. And, and the option I want to put forward is, no, you actually were sold a false way of understanding this. That's a contract. Right. That's not a covenant. A contract is, OK, Jesus, I give you faith and, you know, some time in the morning to read my Bible and I pray and I give and whatever else. And then you give me blessing and protection and joy and whatever else. And very often that's the way we present Jesus, as if Jesus were just here to improve our life. Right. You know, um, and uh, the, the problem is Jesus never talks about himself this way. But secondly, uh, God purposefully, I think, disappoints us. So I want to get into a little Bible. Great. Before you do, can I make another note on disappointment? Yes. First of all, you disappoint me. Yeah. You are the living embodiment of I'd hoped for a host and I had expectations for a co-host and then I got you yeah. and you're here in your Ducks jersey 
in your ducks hat, in your burnt orange tennis shoes, in your burnt orange shorts, and a lot of orange. Yeah. And it, it really is in free. It's freaking me out, Andy. <laughs> well, it's quite the day to tout our orange. Why? Uh, in regards to disappointment, I was is just hockey gonna... is hockey season? Is it still going on? Uh, it is. We just started playoffs, or playoffs are just beginning. Oh boy! And uh, last night. The Kings found their very great disappointment in oh losing boy. Oh boy. the Pacific Division champions to the Ducks. To the Ducks. That's right. Okay. It might be one of... I, I want to look into the actual stats of this, and then if you out there know this, I want to know if our team made the greatest comeback we've seen in NHL history over the course of a game count. I, I can I can answer that for you, Andy. <laughs> Is that right? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? All All hockey season is... All baseball season, it's just pre-football. That's all that is. We're just killing time until football season gets here. Yeah. So so appreciate that personal anecdote, Andy. Yeah. That was disappointing as well. Now, <laughs> so so what so I want to spend a little time in, in Genesis. And and again, if you're not a Bible fan, I think there's stuff here for you. Uh, I think there's stuff that's interesting and helpful. Um, even if you're not um, a, a follower of Jesus or a fan of the scriptures. Um, and so we try not to be too, you know, sermony, but there's some interesting stuff here that I want to throw out and see what you think. So, um, if there are any hockey fans, um, evidently if you're a Kings fan, this is live for you. If you're a Ducks fan, then, you know, it's tough to get in touch with today. But, um, the the Bible opens with this picture of a, a God who is so powerful and so intelligent that, this God speaks things into existence that there's let there be light and there was light and let there be water and there was water and let there be sky and there was sky. And, 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 and then uh, in contrast to other ancient Near Eastern um, creation stories, the, the, the biblical creation stories that, that God created humans and God did it so that God's image would be reflected throughout the created order. That when it says that human beings are made in the image of God, that that's a temple, that's a temple word. That that the way kings um, in the ancient Near East would like extend territory is that they would build monuments of themselves that were considered images. Or in, in temples, they would put a monument or a statue or something that represented the gods. And so human beings were to be God's images on the earth, that we were to reflect male and female, some some of God's benevolent governance over the created order. We were not to rape it, to pillage it, to strip mine it. We were to exercise the same creative intelligence and power that God exercised in the making of it. We were to exercise in the stewarding of what had been made. And so, so in, in chapter one, you get this kind of narrative poem uh, about the creation of everything and God fashioning sort of a place for him to dwell. And, and then in chapter two, you kind of zero in on this first man and this first woman. And of course, there's lots of debate. Are Adam and Eve real? Uh, were they primates? Were they the only people there? I mean, we can get into all sorts of fascinating conversation. I want to sidestep all of that by just reflecting on a couple of things in the text. So uh, in chapter two, um, in verse seven, there's this interesting line where uh, it says that the Lord God made the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. All right. So um, the, and there's a wordplay here that you miss in English. Um, in Hebrew, the, the, the word for man um, is Adam or Adam, but Adam sounds cooler. And the word for ground where dust is the word Adama. And so the the man is named after the ground he's made from. The Adam is made from the Adama. So there's some sort of connection between man and ground that the scriptures want to highlight, all right? And, and that the man um, here, and, and both male and female in chapter one are given work to do. They're to rule over the earth or sub, to subdue it, to fill it. And again, those aren't conquering words. Those are serving words in their original context. And so, so there's this lump of dust. God breathes his spirit. Now you have man. Now there's a big debate over, is that a male? Is that androgynous? 
male and female together and they're split in a little bit. And, and this has ramifications for actually the women in ministry conversation. We're going to talk about someday part two, Andy, after I get done moving. Yeah, I'll get working on it. All right. I like that. Now, now then it says, and we talked about this uh, with soulmate, then it says that it was not good that the man was alone. And so, so God is going to create an Ezra Konegdo, um, uh, and a like opposite, an ally who is in a like opposite. And, and, and it's fascinating because the, 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 in the biblical narrative, and again, I get it, all the questions this raises is the man falls asleep and, and God takes part of the man's side and, and fashions, the word is built. He built a woman out of the man's side. And um, it, it's interesting because the man then, when he awakes and sees the woman, um, he, he declares her to be his alike opposite. He says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called um, Isha, for she was taken out of E. She shall be called female because she was taken out of male. She shall be called feminine because she was taken out of masculine is the idea. So, so she shall be called um, Isha. Uh, I believe that's the woman. And she was taken out of Ish, the man. I think that's how it goes. But, but even if it goes the other direction, notice the, the wordplay. That the woman is named out of her origin as well. Okay, so the so the Adam was um, was created from the Adama, uh, and the uh, Isha was created from the Ish. Now I think, man, I'm getting those confused. I think I think it's Isha and Ish. Um, I think Isha's man, Isha's woman. But it, okay, who cares? Hebrew scholars, I'm sure none of you are listening. So, but I but I want you to see the connection. So the man is named in relationship to the ground. The woman is named in relationship to the man. And that, and don't stereotype this because I don't. The, this isn't hierarchy. This isn't subservience. This isn't you know women are just built for relationships and that's it. No, no, both of them are given the 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 destiny and the commission to rule together as Ezra Konegdos. Okay, so don't don't gender stereotype this yet. Now, what happens? in uh, this garden is that the man and the woman were given one command that they were given permission, first of all, to fill the earth uh, by having sex. We'll talk about that. Not today, Andy. So. Okay. Now we're, now we're really talking about disappointment on the podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Someone asked me, how do you have an incredible marriage? And, and my response was, listen, make love to your spouse once every 40 days, whether you need it or not. And that's kind of where it is for the Eries right now. Not that I'm counting or keeping track or in any way. But you do have reminders set on your phone. I, I do. <laughs> I, and I set them on my wife's phone. Okay. Honey. There you go. Honey. Um, anyway, oh, well, that's a whole. That's, <laughs> I'm editing. I'm editing right there. All right. So that was just me hitting the desk again. So, so the man and the woman are given this co-rulership and this commission to do this together. Um, and they're each named differently, but they're given permission uh, to 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 work in this garden, to enjoy all of its benefits. But there's this one tree they're not supposed to eat the fruit of. And of course, they're tempted to eat the fruit of that tree. So they do. In Genesis chapter three, God does this kind of um, kind of this amazing thing. And this is where we start turning into disappointment. God actually speaks. Now, we use the word curses, but they're not curses in the way we would think of. They're not. They're not. Um, they're not judgments. They're more like renderings of consequences because of their disobedience. All right. This isn't like God arbitrarily said, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip that switch," and and like this is this is the timeout I want you to be in, as if it were arbitrary. This is this is very very strategic, and it's related to the destiny the man and the woman were to have. So in Genesis 3, there are these judgments, one spoken against the talking serpent, uh, which we've talked about before. One is spoken against the woman, and it's really, really interesting. She, So here's what God says to the woman. I will make your uh, pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Now, what was... What was the first command given to the man and to the woman in chapter one? It was to fill the earth, to have sex, to make babies, to fill the earth with people, other image bearers. 
And so it's interesting that God frustrates that. So he creates this command and this impulse to fill the earth and God frustrates that. Now filling the earth will hurt. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And and as guys, obviously we can't really, you know, can't really relate to that. And all the ladies said, thank you, Jesus, for epidurals. But it's fascinating that that was one of the curses. And then the second thing that God says to the woman is that your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, like we talked about uh, with Ezra Konegdo, God's design was never this. God's design was never um, that the man and the woman would engage in a power struggle. Because that's what this means. The word desire will be for your husband. It's a power word. It's a mastery word. It's a control word. And the word rule is a desire word, a mastery word, a control word. And so so what you have instead of Ezra Konegdo is you have now God frustrating the male-female relationship so that it will no longer be the source of meaning, joy, and satisfaction God intended it to be. Do you see what he's done? Yeah. He's, he gave the woman a commission first, fill the earth, right, with the man's help, but she was the primary filler of the earth. He frustrates that. And then the woman was named out of her origin from the man. And so he frustrates the man-woman relationship, all right? So that instead of being a source of blessing and joy and completeness and wholeness, now it's a power struggle. Yeah. Now it adds to the pain. And then... So, so it's fascinating how strategic God is. And then, and this is the kicker, to the man, he says, cursed is the, what's he named after? Ground. Yeah. So I'm going to curse the ground um, because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it all the days of your life. And then he ultimately says, from dust you came, to dust you will return. And so what's God cursed with the guy? He curses the ground. Now, the, none of this is random, right? It's all been set up. Right? They were called to fill the earth and to subdue it. Okay, Now, God has said filling the earth will be painful and subduing will be painful. Yeah. Right, Earth won't cooperate with you. The, the man was named in relationship to the ground. That's that spoken against. The woman was named in relationship to the man. That was spoken against. And so now, what you have, and this is so unbelievably important, Andy. What you have is God frustrating all of the impulses he gave us to find meaning and purpose and significance in human life. Yeah, okay. All right? Um, now, here's the last part. Because I've had people say to me when I when I teach this, no, 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 not my God. My God would never do this. And, and my response is, well, of course he did. And he did it as an act of mercy. This is, this is mercy. Yeah, I was going to be my question. Like, okay. what, what is the necessity of this frustration? Oh, my goodness. Because, Andy, if you could find meaning, purpose, and significance apart from God, we would. And so God makes sure that the natural bent to find meaning, purpose, and significance in relationships, in work, in labor, in, uh, in significance, all of those things are now frustrated to drive self-interested people back to himself. Because now we're bent, right? We're bent and we're only in it for what's in it for us. And so no one comes to be a Jesus follower because they just intellectually one day say, oh yeah, of course, he's the Alpha and the Omega. And no, they come to Jesus because they're broken, they're hurting, they're, they need forgiveness, they need cleansing or healing, whatever it is, right? We come out of our pain, we come out of our weakness, we come out of our loneliness, we come out of our brokenness. And, and I just want to throw out the idea that the reason that money will never satisfy isn't due to the nature of money, although it could be, but it's also due to the nature of God's strategic judgments to ensure that meaning, purpose, and significance are found only in him. All right, are you with me so far? Yeah. So what God does is he keeps us alive uh, and thirsty. He keeps us hungry, right? Because no matter how many promotions you get, you still want more, no matter how many good, how much good is in your marriage. There's still that gap that exists between what it could be in your mind and what it actually is in real life. There's that gap in work. There's that gap in school. Gap in friendships. The, the, the gap is everywhere. And part of the reason for that gap, of course, is that we live in a fallen world and we're bent towards darkness and other people hurt us and we have a real enemy and all of those things. But part of the gap also is God's creative genius. In making it so that life isn't going to work to the degree that we think it should apart from him. Now, the danger is the minute you say that, 
you have to nuance it because that sounds like the infomercial pitch. Yeah. Right. So if you just got God and you you read your Bible right three, three times a month with free shipping and handling, you will find your purpose. That's and right. Yeah. That's right. So so what what we have to do is be very careful at this point because it is God's genius. I think to drive us back to himself, right? To keep us um, from, and again, th- that's not to say there aren't moments when it's amazing. Uh, there aren't moments when um, we enjoy the common grace of this world and, and money does satisfy for a season. And this new relationship I'm in is incredible. And this affair I just started, man, I mean, it's just, it's just so adrenaline filled. I mean, that's not to say there aren't moments when um, it, it it feels like it fits together, but again, those are just moments. They're not they're not big swaths of our life. They're just these bits and pieces, and the rest of it is lived, learning how to live in the midst of it not being as great as it could be, right? Not being as great. And the key to understanding is okay. So when God enters in to the equation, what's God's agenda? Is God's agenda filling that gap? Right? Is it is it his job to fill it? Is it is his job to fill that gap? And some will say absolutely. So if there's a gap between how wealthy you want to be and how wealthy you are, then you send us your money and God will bless you with more money. If there's a gap in your health between how healthy you want to be and how healthy you are, you know, you send us this money and we'll pray for you or I mean, whatever it is, right? We have all these gap sorts of fixes. And what I want to suggest is even with God in the picture. The gaps shift. It, it's it, it, yes, in my relationship with God, I, I feel like there is meaning and purpose and significance in ways that there there weren't prior to. But there's still gaps that exist. They're now just God-shaped gaps. You know, hey God, how come you haven't come through here? Hey God, how come you haven't answered this prayer here? Hey God, how come it seems like it's in your best interest to heal this person? Why don't you heal this person? Now disappointment has shifted. Right. And now I think, okay, so God, if you're real, you should be way more obvious. And if you're real, you should be way more powerful at at work in my life. And if you're real, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you work uh, through me more powerfully? Right. I mean, I, here I am, I'm trying to make you look good. I'm, I'm a, I'm an infomercial salesman for Jesus. How come you're not doing more and bigger stuff, right. To show yourself. And so, so it's fascinating that to me, many Christians now deal with a gap between what they think their relationship with God should be and what it turns out to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's <clears throat> yeah, it's challenging. In what way? Oh, it it's it seems that that is the commonplace of our common like uh, as we're done it. It seems like it seems <laughs> like how you know, it is how we think as Christians. You know, it's kind of like I believe in this real thing and God you're tangible. Now that I've accepted that you're the the person responsible for my purpose. Right. When I'm asking to define it and it's not clear, all of a sudden it's like, "Well, what are you doing? I thought right. you were supposed to be X, Y, and Z." Right. And so that's like this That's when it shows. In those moments, that's when it shows we bought the contract. Mm. Idea of faith. Yeah. See, and that's the point. God isn't looking for contract contract people. He'll, he'll honor that, you know. Uh, um, he's so great that if that's what faith you're bringing, that's what faith he'll receive. But but he will never let us stay where we're just trying to make an algebraic equation of if I give 10%, then God will bless me. If I pray for my kids, they'll never you know wander off. If I keep myself pure before marriage, it will just be amazing sex afterwards, right? Those are just formulas. Those aren't, that's not actual biblical faith. And what do we talk about? What's faith, right? Faith is action that's based on trust. It's covenant relationship. It's, it, it is it's um, not intellectual uh, certainty, conviction, certainty. Yeah. Right. So, so all of this plays in. So, so what I, what I want to suggest is first, and, and just to recap first, uh, in the biblical story, God is very, very creative in using our self-interest against us. And so if money would satisfy, we'd stop there. If sex would satisfy, we'd stop there. But there is this perpetual search we go on right? It's this very, it's deeply existential in nature. And, and it's because I think of Genesis 3, that God, God awakens us to, to the possibilities of life without the fall, without sin and death, without the darkness in us and outside of us. And, and because of that, we're restless. We're restless, we're restless. Well, then we come to God and we come to God out of our own self-interest. 
And God is so beautiful that God receives that. But then God has to de, de uh, he has to disappoint us in order to train us in the kind of faith he's interested in. So, so you know, the, the, the ancients talk about something called the dark night of the soul. When faith doesn't work, when your prayer seems like it's bouncing off the ceiling, when, you know, you open a Bible that seems so interesting and vibrant, and now it's just dust and God seems far away. And, and, and um, that's the testimony of so many of the Psalms, many of the great heroes of faith went through something like this. And, and many in church history have identified seasons where you're just in the wilderness and you're wandering and you're thinking God is letting you down. But when in actuality, what God's doing is, is he's almost D, uh, what, what's a good way to say this? He's de-gapping you. He's saying, listen, um, um, this isn't how this works. You, you've, you've come, you've come to me with the, with expectations that have to do with gaps in your life. And, and I'm doing something altogether different. And so, so part of the Christian journey is to realize the reward of following Jesus is Jesus, right? It's not the things you get from following Jesus, right? Sure. Well, that's a that's an easy thing to say and a really hard thing to learn. And part of the learning of that is the realization that even with God working in your life, bad things still happen, disappointments still happen, people let you down, people hurt you, you do dumb things and self-destructive things, right? There's still all of that junk out there. And the temptation, if you're in the contract model, is to think, well, here's just more gaps. See, see, the infomercial lied because I thought if God came into my life, all the gaps would be gone. No, no, no. God doesn't take away all the gaps. Some he does, for sure. I mean, I feel alive and purposeful and I feel meaning and significance. Um, I feel hope. I feel I feel joy. I don't know that all of those things would be there in the same measure had I not had I not been walking with Jesus for a long time. But at the same time, there are all these there's still these pockets, right, of oh, pain and grief and disappointment. And what God's doing is he's training me not to see those as gaps anymore, but to see those as something different. And let me illustrate what I mean by something different. Are you tracking with me so far? Yeah, definitely. I, um, I've kind of always, and, and this is kind of helping to put a bit more theology and language to my thoughts. I've always kind of prescribed the idea that when we look at, so fruit as a benefit of a lifestyle, we look at mm-hmm. the, the fruit of the spirit. Yep. If our life, joy, was, you know, peace, joy, patience, kindness, peace, love, right. and patience. If if we were truly pursuing that those was things, out of order. That, that was very out of order. Which is which matters. Yes. And um, what my most important love, um, <laughs> you know, when I think this helps to defend the idea that when if you're truly pursuing those things, you find that those aren't necessarily self-serving natures. They're kind of given to us to provide for others. You know, it's like yes. it's something like when yes. you're actually living yes. in it, yeah. you find that if those are the things you're actually pursuing, that those are the things that tend to close the gaps. But to me, in my mind, I feel that the necessity of those has to also have the opposite. It has to have the frustration because you can't know joy unless you know pain. Right. And you can't know patience unless you know anxiety. And you can't know love unless you know hate. And it's kind of like if that other side didn't exist, if it was all just this Unitarian, you know, kind of life and and we couldn't experience pain, we couldn't experience all that. I don't know that we could fully understand those fruits. Right. So it's like I have. For me, I've always kind of accepted the idea that I'm like, I'm okay that God frustrates the situations and creates disappointment because that's the only way that I can actually fully have a balance of understanding the fruits of the spirit and understanding how to get to that. Yeah. Okay. And that's, I don't, it's wonky. We got it. Well, well, you're wonky. And secondly, we got to be really careful here because what we're not saying is that every disappointment's from God. Sure. Okay. We're not saying that the disease, because some people will, some people say everything that happens in the world is God's will. Okay, and and that is absolutely not what right. the Bible teaches. Even right. though there will be many that disagree, and this, uh, and this goes to the idea of like I, I think I'm aligning with you that God's design to frustrate something as like an intention to bring him back to the original design. Yes, that's, if, we're, if we're speaking at that meta of yeah, a level, right? So that so that the human heart is restless. Like yeah. that's St. Augustine's very famous statement. Um, the, our hearts are restless until they find their rest, our, our rest in the Lord. Um, that's true, that there is this sense of restlessness. The problem is that we, you know, God uses this restlessness. We bring it to him with the expectation that it will be gone now. Yeah. 
And, and I want to say, no, 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 I don't, I don't see that in the scriptures. Um, I, I see it as being redefined and being fuel for the Christian life. So here's what I mean. All right, let me get very, very practical. When we have unmet desires, and all of us do, the single people that want to be married, the, the parents that can't have kids, uh, the same-sex attracted person that, you know, is trying to follow Jesus and trying to say, okay, so so really, I, I, you're not, I'm not allowed to uh, have a sexually fulfilling relationship. I'm not allowed to be married. I mean, you, you have all of this. I mean, it could be mental illness. It can be physical health. It can be any number of issues. Really, we have three options as Jesus followers. Um, one option, and this is kind of the world's option, um, it, it's to to escape and to numb. So we got a gap. Well, what do we do with that gap? Well, we we run, we escape, we go to Vegas because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? We drink, we medicate. We distract ourselves with games and we're always on our phones and we're always distracted by social media. Like we're always plugged in. There's never any silence or solitude, never any soul work. Um, we're, we're constantly on the move. We're constantly seeking the next experience, the next high. Um, we're constantly looking for, I mean, there was this, uh, there was this song that I find so fascinating. It's by um, oh, Tove Lowe. Yeah. Right, great. I get high all the time. Yeah, because I'm missing you, something like yeah. that. And, and it's really disturbing. You know, she's eating Twinkies and binging in the bathtub and going to sex clubs, and and, and it's all because you know this. She's alienated from this person, and I and I listened to it, and I was so haunted by. It. I mean, it's a catchy, catchy tune. But when I was listening to the words, I was going, "That's in its extreme form. That's that's what the world offers." Right. That's what that's what we do. And so your body, my body becomes an instrument of distraction as I seek the next pleasurable experience or, you know, and, and, and the danger, of course, is you get so numb and you get so hollowed out that you can't enjoy anything anymore. But that's not what escaping and numbing promises us in the beginning. It promises us, you know, that we don't have to face whatever the, the gap is that's sitting in there. Um, so that's kind of the secular option. Um, and we see that all over the place, right? I mean, we were, we were out to dinner the other night and we're, we're, you know, not sitting in judgment, but noticing here are families and couples that are sitting at dining, you know, in, in restaurant, they're sitting at restaurant tables and none of them are talking to each other. They're all looking at their phones and, and it's just interesting, right? Um, and so, so escaping and numbing is, uh, is a favorite way. Now, what the church does, um, is the church encourages us to pretend that disappointment with God or with life or with marriage or with sex or whatever, that doesn't exist. So escape and numb is option one. Pretend is option number two, right? We, cr good Christian people aren't supposed to be disappointed in their sex lives. Good Christian people aren't supposed to be disappointed with the amount of money they make. Good Christian people are, aren't supposed to be uh, disappointed with uh, how their kids turned out, right? We just are supposed to slap on these religious cliches and, man, God is good all the time and never never be bummed with the way things turned out, you know? It, or, or if we are bummed and disappointed, um, it's always got to be in the past tense. You know, man, I used to struggle with that or, you know, it, it's never like, I just, this is the crappiest thing. God, what in the world are you doing? And, and, and the only people we give permission to be that messy are people who are addicts or people that are dealing with cancer or the death of a, a loved one or something, right? But the rest of us who just suffer from this low grade sort of disappointment, man, we're not, good Christian people aren't supposed to like live there. Um, and, and so we just learn to pretend and it, it, it goes subterranean and, and that's, and, a, and that's also indicting because those of us that are in that feel like we're, you know, ostracized from the church. Oh, okay. Well, I can't really go to church because right. I'm dealing with this thing and like, that's I'm right. not really welcome. That's right. And, that's know. right. That's right. Cause it ruins the infomercial. Yeah. I mean, imagine and if the infomercial, the apostle Paul, you know, would have given for Jesus. All right. So I was riding uh, a donkey and I got knocked on my keister 
And and then um, I've been shipwrecked and I've been bitten by snakes and I've been beaten and and thrown off cliffs and persecuted everywhere I go. And yeah, you should follow Jesus is great. He's like the master of prison ministry. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he spent all this time in prison. He's martyred. You know, I mean, th- that's not that doesn't fit the infomercial quite, no. you know. So so. Oh, is that me? That's you. Oh, man. All right. Hold on a second. This is Mrs. Erie. Justy, um, you're on the podcast. Say hi. Oh, goodness. I'm so sorry. Good morning, everyone. Hey, what what do you like about being married to your husband? That you can reach tall things and carry heavy objects. Okay. What about the kissing? That's amazing. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Can I call you a little? Can I call you a little bit? Yeah, I love you. Okay. I love you, too. Goodbye. All right. Mrs. Erie making a surprise cameo appearance on the uh, on the vox podcast today so so if if the answer isn't to pretend and if the answer isn't to escape a numb what's the answer well i think the dos Equis guy has it right stay thirsty my friend i think <laughs> i, I think, the most interesting man in the world absolutely buddy i guess i guess he's fired now yeah that's what so I they gotta go someone younger right right and he, he had a contract where he couldn't drink anything else when he was in public too well, of course well, of course <laughs> okay <Anyway>, go on <laughs> i'll take i'll take that how much money do you think that guy made uh shooting those commercials <laughs> right so um but i think he's actually onto something because there, there's a sense in which so take so take um and this is this is a uh this isn't a perfect example but take depression and anxiety um i have asked god to to get rid of it right i take meds for it uh i don't like the way i look i don't like the way i feel um i've asked god to take it away and it's gotten better whether that's god or the meds or some combination of both it's gotten better but it still hangs over there. I still, man, if I don't take that medicine every 24 hours, I get twitchy. I still have panic attacks. I have chest pains um, that are not heart attacks. Don't worry. But there, I can feel the just panic. And um, and and I have to, I, I just have to walk with this. And I keep, I've asked God so many times, why don't you take this away? And the temptation is to to numb it and to escape it. Um, or to pretend like it's not there, right? Because I'm a pastor or whatever. Um, but what I've learned is it causes me to be alive and thirsty. And what, what that means is it forces humility. It forces dependence. It forces prayerfulness. It forces fidelity to Jesus, even when it's not working. It, it, it forces faith. It gives birth to hope uh, that it won't always be this way. Um, it, it does, it serves, it's exactly what Paul, um, the same guy we were talking about just a few minutes ago, he had this, he called it a thorn in his flesh and it could be a physical malady. It could be an emotional thing. We, we don't know what it was, but he called it a thorn, something that would caused him pain. And he said, he, he prayed three times for God to take it away. And, and God refused and said, no, 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 my, my strength is actually perfected when your strength is brought to its end. That's how you translate actually that verse. That's where the podcast someday. My my strength is is uh, brought to bear when your strength ends, and my grace is enough is the idea. And so so there was a sense in which, um, instead of running from it, I tried that. I tried escaping. I tried pretending. I tried religiousing my way out of this. If I just pray more, if I have more faith, if I find you know some person with the gift of healing to pray for me, it'll be all all okay. But I've actually found, and I still do those things, but it's an area of disappointment to me. And so what I do now as a follower of Jesus is I keep on asking, I keep on seeking, I keep on knocking. Um, it, it drives me actually to God over and over and over and over. I don't think God gave me depression and anxiety. I don't, I, I don't see God giving cancer. I don't see God, you know, arranging car wrecks or abuse, or rape, or murder, I don't, I, no, of course not, of course not, but what I see God doing is then using those things to bring good, I think he can bring good out of anything, but part of the good that he brings is um, the idea now that my restlessness is boundaried in covenant relationship, and if turned to and not run from, 
can be some of the biggest fuel for worship, for devotion, for prayer, uh, for humility. Um, and I found some of the best soul work that's ever been done in my soul has come because I can't run from this. I have to sit in this. I can't fix it. I can't, I can't religious my way out of this. I can't pretend my way out of this. And I can't escape my way out of this. And so this can be either be a very cliched um, point of view, or it can be a deep uh, and, and very meaningful posture of heart. Because, you know, when I, when I first started struggling with depression and anxiety, people would just say, well, just read the Bible more, pray more, try to have more faith. Mm-hmm. Can we get, we hear the terminology, you know, just, you know, just give it to God, just right. give it to God. And I, right. is that, is that, I think that's kind of like the pretending idea, like give it to God and you just got to move on right. and kind of pretend it doesn't exist and hopefully it'll fall off and God's taking care of it. And that's right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, uh, for me, um, none of that was helpful. And, and instead what, what has been helpful is understanding, okay, part of disappointment comes from the fact that I'm bent towards darkness and I, I hurt people and people hurt me. There is an adversary that's real. This whole spiritual world I think is real. Um, but, it, but it's also built into the fabric of human life that nothing is ever going to satisfy the way that I know it could and the way that I think it should. And some of that is because God has allowed a gap um, and, and that gap can be used as fuel for the, the kind of the God-centered life, the Jesus-following kind of life, that, that it, it used to be a source of kind of bitterness and disappointment. Now it's a source of fuel. And that happens uh, after a while when you sit in it, you can't escape from it, and you learn to integrate it in, okay, this is just part of who I am. Um, God is not against it. I'm not out of his favor because of it. Um, and, and that what it's producing in me is like really amazing stuff that could never, at least for me, I, I couldn't have gotten another way. I'm a dumb, I'm dumb. I love strength. I love being bigger than life. Uh, not literally. I love, uh, I love, you know, being in my element and to have to limp even with God and to realize it's the death of the infomercial and that there's still disappointment with God. And, and, and what he does is he reframes it. He regaps it. He, he kind of uses it now as this consistent pull um, of my heart to him. That's what, that's what we hope for because the promise of God isn't that you're going to get married tomorrow or that you'll be able to have children um, or, or that you'll be off of porn uh, instantaneously. I've seen those things happen. I've seen them happen. Yeah. So I pray for them and I want them for you and for me. Um, but but I've also seen the very long slog through recovery. I've seen the very long slog through like mental illness. I've seen the long slog through repairing a marriage that has been broken. And, um, and, and I'm not sure uh, when God does something instantaneously, what that does to a person all I know is what the slog has done to me, which has been really powerful. And I couldn't have gotten here otherwise. And so um, so we just I just want to open up the possibility that there are these gaps wherever you are, in an aircraft carrier, um, in a house church in Africa, um, you know, working out because there's a gap <laughs> between, well, whatever. Um between what your waist size is and, and what it should be. Um, so, so wherever you are, uh, there's this sense that we, that disappointment and this kind of unmet desire, we have to overcome the infomercial part of, you know, the sales job to, to find covenant faith. And when you find covenant faith and begin to rest in it, it begins to do stuff and it, and the stuff doesn't have to do with fixing it has to do with reframing. It has to do with perspective. It has to do with like what happens in marriage when you work through a difficult season. There's something that's stronger on the other side of it. So my encouragement's not to numb. That's 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 easy and I've done it. I get it. Or or to pretend. That's the one we always want to beat up on, right? There this the church should be the safest place to to say, nope, I got a huge gap here and it's killing me. 
Um, uh, but it's instead to be to be alive and thirsty. To stay thirsty, my friends. We need some of that music. We need some of that music. <laughs> All right. So, um, so thank you for the reviews on iTunes. The, those are super important in getting the word out about us. Really appreciate them. Um, and uh, Twitter, Facebook, as always, voxoc.com. We're getting ready to launch a church, Andy. Almost there. We're almost there. We're about uh, four or five weeks out. And uh, we're not going to we're not going to tell anybody when exactly uh, we're doing. It's kind of a rolling start, but it's coming and we're yeah. we're busy doing that. And the podcast is going to be a huge part. So we want you to know you can participate in this community, regardless of whether or not you go to the, the local expression of the community. And we're hearing from I don't know, Andy, we probably have 10 different people that have emailed us and said they want to form little Vox communities. Yeah. Uh, in other parts of California and other parts of the country. And all based on just what you guys are hearing on the podcast. Like we, right. we never deployed a vision that says, hey, we'd really love you guys to start doing this. This is people who just said, hey, this is something I, I think I'd be interested in doing. How I've can I never, do that? I have never deployed anything. I can't even, I can't use that word of anything, let alone vision. Yeah. So no deploying. <laughs> Unless you're on an aircraft carrier, then you know <laughs> deployment. That's then right. you absolutely know. That's true. But no, this yeah, this is all this is all happening uh, ahead of us, and so um, just let us know how we can resource you, how we can be a blessing to you. One of the one of the things we're thinking of doing is someday, if we have money, to hire somebody to help coordinate Vox communities all throughout uh, the country. Not because we have any interest in taking over the world, but because there see, seems to be this like mindedness, this tribe that's gathering that's super fun. So. Uh, I'd like to do blessing um, for you today, and uh, we're going to go with the number six blessing. All right? Huh. Yeah. Well, that's the one I always do, except okay. for last week. We oh, okay. Of, All right. We're, we're, that one's called the number six. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, from the book of Numbers, chapter six. Ah, <laughs> you know, one of the nice things about Andy is uh, he doesn't know his Bible word, Jack. <laughs> okay? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right? That's the order, buddy. Yeah. Oh, and number six is a part of the Bible. So so it's nice. It's great to have a non-believer here with yeah. me. It sounded like a menu item. I was like... A number I, six? I'll take, <laughs> I'll take a number six blessing, please. It's part of the infomercial, right? You get... Listen, if you say yes to Jesus, you get a number six blessing. That's right. Here you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And may he give you peace in these days. Amen and amen. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Geary podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Geary. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Geary for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit subversivekingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.